Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 12. On this week's show, we're explaining the different classes of ships in Royal Caribbean's fleet. Royal Caribbean's fleet is comprised of 21 ships, and they're not all the same. Let's look at the different classes of Royal Caribbean ships and explain the similarities and differences among them. We'll talk about what's unique about the ships, what sort of itineraries you typically see with each class, and who might want to go on each class of ships. Here we go. So Royal Caribbean currently operates six classes of cruise ships that make up 21 ships in the fleet. Each class is fairly unique in terms of the amount of passengers they can handle, as well as some of the unique offerings. Before we actually get into each class of ships, we need to talk about something that Royal Caribbean is doing to actively reduce the differences in terms of onboard amenities among all the ships, and that's called the Royal Revitalization Program. This program is a fleet-wide upgrade to bring upgrades and amenities first seen on Oasis-class ships to all the ships in the fleet. This program helps address the notion that older ships in the fleet are worse, quote-unquote, in terms of onboard experience than newer ships. It also breathes new life into the older ships that are still quite capable but lack the wow factor that Royal Caribbean is always marketing with their newer ships. Some examples of these upgrades and additions include additional staterooms, an outdoor movie screen near the pool, new dining venues, digital signage, Wi-Fi internet access across the entire ship, concierge and diamond lounges, and even a nursery. This program is actually being worked on right now as we speak, but the program is close to, if not more than halfway done, although there are still some ships that have not gotten it, but every single ship in the fleet is scheduled to get one, except for one, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So let's go right into the classes and describe each one in particular. So we're going to start with the smallest and work our way up to the top. We're going to start with Sovereign Class. Now, Sovereign Class, there's actually only one ship remaining in this class. That's Majesty of the Seas. There used to be two other ships in this class, Monarch of the Seas and Sovereign of the Seas. Both of these ships were transferred to a subsidiary cruise line called Pullmanter. They basically, that's how Royal Caribbean retires ships these days. They take the old ships, ship them off to a subsidiary, they get repainted, a couple upgrades, and they're put into a different fleet. Anyway, the interesting thing about Sovereign Class, if you if you remember, is Sovereign Class ships were the first mega ships in the cruise industry all the way back in 1988. Now, Majesty of the Seas is the only cruise ship that will not be getting the Royal Advantage program, as I mentioned earlier, because, well, of its age and great likelihood that's going to be retired and or transferred to a different line soon, much like its sister ships. That being said, it offers four and three-night cruises out of Miami currently. And like all Royal Caribbean ships, it offers some trademark amenities regardless. There's a Viking Crown Lounge a rock climbing wall, Coca-Cola freestyle machines, and even a Johnny Rockets. Now, Majesty isn't the best ship in the fleet for someone new to cruising, or Royal Caribbean for that matter, because of its age, kind of small size, and it's kind of a sentence of sooner rather than later it's going to be retired. So it's not the best foot forward in terms of the first ship you'd want to see. But it is good, actually, for Floridians or anyone else looking for a quick escape on a Royal Caribbean ship. Often, the prices that are offered at Majesty of the Seas are quite good and very competitive, and you can often find, especially during slower times of the year, really, really good deals on it. You just have to keep in mind what kind of ship this is, and you'll be fine. Keep your expectations in line. The next class of ships is called Vision Class. Vision Class, it's kind of an oddball class, only because technically speaking, it's not really a class. It's really three pairs of sister ships, and each pair is slightly different than the other two pairs. So... We call it a class, but technically speaking, it's not really. Some ships are actually smaller than the Sovereign class, while other pairs are the same or even slightly larger. There are six ships in this class. Legend of the Seas, Splendor of the Seas, Grandeur of the Seas, Rhapsody of the Seas, Enchantment of the Seas, and Vision of the Seas. 
Now, once Vision of the Seas finishes its refurbishment, actually this month, the entire class will be upgraded with the Oasis class amenities that we talked earlier in the Royal Advantage program. Now, they've, this program has really breathed a lot of life, and I think of all the classes of ships, the Vision class has benefited the most. These ships have gotten a lot of great upgrades to them, and they've really been, like Rhapsody of the Seas is a great example of this, and Splendor as well. They were the showpieces, really the examples that of what new life, what these upgrade program really means to these old ships. Now, they're small ships, but they're usually workhorses where they're offered, and usually that's in the United States and Europe, although you can find Vision-class ships in South America and even Australia. It's another good choice for a veteran Royal Caribbean fan who wants to try some new things out, or anyone that's really near a non-major cruise port. A great example of this is Grandeur of the Seas is currently being offered out of Baltimore, and you have Enchantment of the Seas out of Port Canaveral. Again, good options for different lengths of cruises, and they're really not bad at all. I'd probably hesitate to recommend a Vision class ship for a first-timer just because I think the other class of ships we're going to be discussing soon are a much stronger sell. That being said, I don't think it's a bad choice because, again, if you live in Baltimore, you, you know, perhaps Seattle or one of these other ships is near you, it's not a bad choice to go on. Again, it's not the one of the premier ships in the fleet, but it still does a great job, and it's, it is a lot of fun. Next up, we're going to go to Radiance Class. And Radiance Class is often described as the most beautiful of Royal Caribbean's classes of ships. There's lots of glass and wood. In fact, there's over three acres of glasses. You have glass exterior viewing elevators, lots of balconies, and views of the ocean nearly everywhere. Now, there are four ships in the Radiance Class. Radiance of the Seas, Brilliance of the Seas, Serenade of the Seas, and Jewel of the Seas. Now, like Vision Class, it's a small ship, but it's actually larger than the other two classes of ships. It has a retractable glass roof over the pool, actually the solarium area, although it never, even though it's retractable, it never actually seems to retract. It seems it's kind of something that people picked up on that doesn't ever do that, but theoretically it can. Now, Radiance Class can also pass through the Panama Canal, making it one of the larger Royal Caribbean ships that can pass through the Panama Canal because, as we're going to discover in some of the bigger classes of ships that we're about to get to, they cannot. So it's the largest of the small, if that makes any sense. Now, I think Radiance Class is great for veterans and even new cruisers as well. They're really, I think what, what separates Radiance Class from its bigger siblings and even its smaller siblings is that it's that middle ground. It has about 2,000 passengers on board, which is small, relatively speaking, but more than most ships. So, But it's still a decent-sized ship, and it offers a lot on board. It's a great choice if you're someone who likes a more intimate experience with less passengers, but don't want to sacrifice what the ship offers on board. Having personally sailed on Radiance Class, I can tell you it's a great ship, and I think it is great for both first-timers and veterans especially. Now we're going to go to Voyager Class next, and Voyager Class, when it was built, was the biggest cruise ship in the world. It has over 3,000 passengers on board, and there are five ships in this class. Voyager of the Seas, Explorer of the Seas, Adventurer of the Seas, Navigator of the Seas, and Mariner of the Seas. Now, what Voyager did was it was the first real ship class after maybe Sovereign, because Sovereign was the largest, if you remember. Voyager Class was the first to really innovate majorly and and offer some what are now iconic Royal Caribbean firsts. These include the Royal Promenade, which on Voyager class is a 350-foot indoor mall that has some pubs, shops, bars, and more, and that really was a big deal. And you also have the ice skating rink, again, a Royal Caribbean first and something that's been rolled out with every class since then. Navigator of the Seas and Mariner of the Seas are actually second-generation Voyager-class ships, and they feature glass stateroom balconies that extend out from the superstructure of the ship. So, slight difference, but otherwise pretty much the same. 
And the ships have really spread around the world now and become one of the best ships in the fleet, in my opinion. There's lots to do on board, and it really was the first-class ships to really define the idea that the ship is the main attraction, and not so much where you're going in terms of the destinations. It's a great choice for first-timers as well as the veterans. And to me, Voyager class seems somewhat dwarfed by Freedom and Oasis class. They're not Voyager class isn't forgotten by any means, but the ship seems kind of pedestrian compared to its big sisters. But nonetheless, it's the great epitome of what Royal Caribbean offers its guests, and arguably, it's the best class of ships they ever constructed. You know, it's one of these things where it's relatively smaller now compared to some of the other ships, it's older than some of the other ships, but it's still a great ship, and on its own in a vacuum, Voyager class is really hard to go wrong with. Next, we've got Freedom class. And Freedom class, I always describe Freedom class as being like Voyager class ships, but stretched out and made larger. They're basically just bigger Voyager class ships. Now, of course, like Voyager, when they were built, they were the largest in the world. And these ships include Freedom of the Seas, Liberty of the Seas, and Independence of the Seas. Now, like Voyager class, in fact, Freedom class is very close to Voyager class. If you've ever been on one or, and then the other, you're going to notice the difference, their similarities rather, very, very quickly. Like Voyager class, there has a Royal Promenade, but much larger. There's still an ice skating rink, basketball court, several pools, a mini golf course, and a rock wall. Again, these are things that are on not only on Voyager class ships, but on other Royal Caribbean ships as well. Some new features, though, that were first brought to Freedom class was the Flowrider Surf Simulator, which has become, again, a major iconic aspect of Royal Caribbean cruise, the H2O Zone Kids Water Play Area, Boxing Ring, and those cantilever hot tubs over the side of the ship that my mother-in-law is petrified to go in, but I think they're a lot of fun. I really believe Freedom Class is, they're they're perfect for first-timers because they've got lots of royal wow factors and they're often offered in competitive markets like Florida and United Kingdom that are big with first-timers and they're priced really well. The advantage of being second banana to the Oasis class that we're about to get to is Royal Caribbean prices them more accordingly. Even though these are massive ships that are relatively, I'm going to call brand new and, you know, has a lot going for them, they have to price them lower because... You have the bigger boy, you know, the Oasis class that we're talking about, really dominating those. So you have to, you know, price them accordingly. And that means often great deals on this class of ships. Freedom of the seas, liberty of the seas in the United States are often great deals depending on which time of the year. So it can be a great choice. Now, Freedom class wasn't as revolutionary as Voyager class. And it's more like a Voyager 2.0 class, but it's still a great choice. And if you get a chance whether you're new or not new to Royal Caribbean, you really can't go wrong going on a, on a Freedom-class ship. Now, last but certainly not least, we have Oasis-class. And if you've been hunting under a rock, then, you know, I, I don't know how you miss the ship because Oasis-class is currently the largest ship in the world. And there are two ships that are here with one more, at least one more, ship on the way. So we've got Oasis of the Seas and Allure of the Seas. And we've got one more that doesn't have a name that is coming in a couple of years. And there's a possibility that you could add up to two more beyond that. So they'll bring it, theoretically, up to five at the very least. Now, Oasis class is a class of ship that redefined what a cruise ship can be, as well as really put Royal Caribbean back on the map again. Not that they were doing bad or anything, but this really was like a... I mean, Royal Caribbean likes to use the wow. That's like their marketing slogan. But this really added the wow back to cruising because people could not believe what Royal Caribbean was putting on the ship. As I mentioned largest ship in the world currently and offers everything that we've talked about the other classes have and more they were the first ship to offer broadway shows on board there is one also in liberty of the sea so technically it's not unique but they were the first to add to oasis class there are two flow riders that's right one flow rider not enough they added two there's the aqua theater there's a rising tide bar and 
the entire fleet of ships outside of Oasis class got upgrades so that they could be more like Oasis class. That says a lot because that has never happened before. And oh yeah, they added a huge park in the middle of the ship called Central Park that offers a first for not only Royal Caribbean, but also the entire cruise industry in that a real park inside of the ship. There's also a zip lining on board the ship. It's really just a lot of innovations in one ship class. Now, Oasis class is massive, but it's more than just a bigger copy of its sibling ships. If you remember, Freedom class was more like a larger Voyager class. Oasis is just totally different. They added a whole new concept called neighborhoods to help break up the ship and help with the navigation of guests. Because if you're going to be this massive, which it is, you need a way to make it a little more easier to get around. And the neighborhood concept was revolutionary for cruise ships, and it's really worked out quite well. Now, because it's the biggest in the world, understandably, there are a lot of people on board. In fact, there's about five and a half thousand if the ship is completely full. That sounds like a lot of people on one ship, and it is. But Royal Caribbean has worked very hard to alleviate crowding issues. And if you've ever been on an Oasis-class ship, you'll know that, yes, there's a lot of people on the ship, but it doesn't feel like that. It's not like you're just like you know maneuvering constantly through a July 4th or New Year's Eve crowd on the ship. People are spread out. Royal Caribbean knows what they're doing. They put different amenities in different places, time things perfectly to help those crowds move along. So really, having been on Oasis of the Seas personally, I can tell you that it really isn't terrible by any means. And, you know, Oasis class is perfect for just about anyone. Although some Royal Caribbean fans might prefer the intimacy of the smaller classes like Radiance class or even Voyager class. I think it's one of the best choices you can make. And even though it's itineraries that it sells, which currently are just the Caribbean, Western and Eastern Caribbean, it's such an amazing experience being on board that it makes up for wherever you're going. And I mentioned earlier some of the other classes of ships being destinations for themselves. Oasis of the Seas and, and Allure of the Seas, for that matter, blow that concept out of the water. They are just floating cities and well worth staying on board despite the cool ports that you go to. Now, there's still one more class of ships that we haven't discussed, and that's Quantum Class. But since it's still very much under construction, we're going to save that for a later discussion. I want to make sure that we're not missing that, and people don't say, Matt, you forgot one more class of ships. I know it's coming. But since it's eh, still, we don't have all the details yet, we'll hold off on that. Needless to say, though, this podcast will be covering a lot of information and news about Quantum Class ships in the near future. So before we end this week's episode, I want to know from you, which class of Royal Caribbean ships is your favorite and why? Tweet us. Facebook us or email us your answers so we can share it on next week's show with all of you. As always, we've got some listener feedback to discuss, and this comes through Twitter, Facebook, and email, even our voicemail. So if you want to be a part of Royal Caribbean Blog, we encourage you because I want this to be about you. You can tweet us. We are at the RCL blog on Twitter. Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean Blog. Email, you can email us, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, or you can, of course, call the Royal Caribbean Blog voicemail by calling 408-676-9256. Let's start with some tweets, and the first one is from Sean Wallace, and if you may recall from, I believe, last week's episode, we talked to Sean about those Pullman beds, and Sean tweeted, us a decided promenade connecting cabins, more space, and easier sitters at sea. Hopefully, sitters are available. My wife said, no way on Pullman. Thanks again. Sean, my wife is in complete agreement with you. And regarding the babysitters, there are definitely some. I would agree, or I would suggest rather, that you go immediately to guest services on your first day on board the ship and try to book them as soon as possible. Next, we have a tweet from David Draper, who, if you recall, we were talking about our first Royal Caribbean cruise experiences, and 
Davids, he tweeted, it, I was spoiled with a grand suite on Freedom of the Seas. It was incredible. The gold card treatment is like royalty, especially at Labadee. Definitely eternal grateful for Dad for that trip. And David, I am beyond jealous of you, sir. Regardless if it's your first cruise or your 20th cruise, that is an amazing experience. And yes, it's very much downhill from there. Next up, we have an email from Christy who writes, I just started listening to your Royal Caribbean blog podcast. I'm already a Disney podcast. WWE a groupie of yours. I love your shows. I have a request for a show. Cruising with kids, different aged kids. I have a new baby and always love new information about the topics I'm not completely familiar with. Finally, do you have any other podcasts? Christy, first I'll tell you, I don't have any other podcasts. So rest assured, no worries about that. And I appreciate you checking out my other podcast I do about Disney World. That's always fun. In terms of your suggestion, that is a great idea about cruising with kids because, especially different age kids, I think Royal Caribbean, in fact, I know Royal Caribbean is marketing itself towards families and they want to be a family-friendly cruise line. So obviously that means you're going to have more than one kid. You're going to have different age kids and that can vary considerably. So I think we will definitely have to be looking at that topic. Thank you for that, Christy. Next, we have a Facebook message from David. Just finished listening to episode 10. Great discussion about the drink packages. For me... It does not make sense for my wife because she does not drink and having to drink 8 to 10 drinks every day would be difficult. Thanks for the excellent podcast. I really enjoyed the ship review shows. I appreciate all those great comments, David. Thank you so much. And I agree. The per day needs in order to make that drink package worth it, 8 to 10 drinks, as I mentioned, that's a lot. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible and you can very much be done, but it is a lot. And it's a lot to be doing, not just in one day, but of course, over the course of your entire cruise. So I hope it works out for you. And I hope you get a chance to uh, have and enjoy your next cruise as well. Lastly, we have a message from Edith also on Facebook. And Edith writes, I'm going on a cruise November 17th, Freedom of the Seas, Port Canaveral. What's the ideal time for registration at the port? Well, Edith, I think the best suggestion is to get there as early as you can. I suggest getting there about between 10.30 and 11.30 a.m. at the, at the latest. And I think there's two main reasons for that. And I've said this before. One, if you get there early, your vacation begins earlier. Two, the price of your cruise is the same whether you show up at 10.30 a.m. or you show up at 3 o'clock p.m. You may as well get on board, start the fun earlier, and, of course, you're going to get that included lunch on your cruise in the Windjammer. So, Edith, that might be a great opportunity for you to not only... It's, it's a great excuse. I would say, well, you know, you get on the ship earlier, you get a free lunch out of it. How can you go wrong, right? So, get there about 10.30 or so. You'll be one of the first groups let on board, and you should help be all set. Thank you to Edith. And everyone else who sent all those great comments this week, I love hearing them, I love reading them, and I love, obviously, talking about them on this podcast. So if you got them, send them over here. I'd love to hear it from you as well. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.